name is Eden Richardson. I'm the Discipleship Director here at First Baptist Rock Hill. Thank you so much for tuning in on, past, on our pastor's message from this past Sunday. We are so excited for what God is going to teach you through his word today. Also, be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel where you'll see those weekly sermons. And we're excited to see what God's going to do in your life today as you are or as you are watching this sermon, we hope that you are blessed, challenged, and encouraged from this sermon. Thank you so much. You know, I'm honored to sit in or stand in or whatever, preach in for your pastor. Steve is a friend. He's just such a delightful guy. And, you know, he takes instructions so well. Um, everything good that's happened here in the last 36 years is something I told him to do. <laughs> and... Um, if there's something that didn't go just right, I told him, don't do that. But, yeah, but the truth is, him and these are precious. And um, he was one of the first folks I met when I moved uh, back here from Texas. Uh, and, uh, and I don't know a pastor in America, and I've persecuted a bunch of them. Um, I, there, there's not a pastor I've been around that, that loves his congregation more than he loves you. I can tell you that. Uh, he he loves to brag about you every time we're together. Just about a month ago, we were sitting and he was talking about all the good things going on. So I'm very proud of uh, your work here in Rock Hill and uh, the surrounding areas and what you stand for and the way that you're moving. So it's it's a lot of fun. I, the, the last time I preached here, you were still downtown. That just shows you how long. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've heard somebody. How many years ago was that? And it's kind of, I usually don't get ever invited back. Uh, so um, I think Steve just forgot that he had me that long ago. and Things are desperate for him to have me. But all right. Well, are there any other questions before we take a break? <laughs> I mean, I've heard this before. It's not that good. I mean, uh, twice now. You'd think I could improve on it. Um, but this is all I got. But I've already been paid, so I'm kind of relaxed. And um, we'll, we'll just get through this uh, somehow together. And then you can go on about your rat killing, and I'll let off the brake and slide down to Columbia, where I live. Gang, um, it's funny because since I do roam around, I run into all kinds of folks with all kinds of ideas. And one of the things that's always intriguing to me is their ideas about God. In fact, that's the first question I want to ask the aliens. Um, uh, you know, I want them to tell me about God and their relationship. Yeah, I'm fascinated by that. But it, it, it's funny to me that uh, whether people view God as a, you know, Santa Claus, it's just kind of, you know, throw a wish list up and hope you get something out of it, or a credit card, or, you know, get out of jail free card, or whatever they view God. There's one, uh, there's, there's one consistent notion about God that I kind of want to uh, disavow you of this morning, and that is that God is old. I mean, I know there's Sistine Chapel renderings and all that. He's been around a long time, and, and, and you know, he looks old in every picture I've ever seen of him. But, you know, he's a timeless being. I mean, you, it's just as easy to, to paint God in his, his strapping youth, you know, virile at the top of his form, you know, kind of like me. And, um, well, anyway. So this notion of... God being old and that God likes old and God, you know, kind of wants to furnish heaven with antiques, that kind of stuff. Um, I, I think the problem with that is that it kind of begins to, um, you know, 
work against our capacity to believe what he's capable of doing and what he is doing. I mean, if, if God is old, our prayer life goes something like this. You know, hey, Lord, let me brief you on what's going on here because let me wake you up and kind of get you on the same page. Are you kidding? Like prayer is a gift to me so I can bring God up to speed, you know? Like he doesn't know what's happening already. And then I, but you know, I'm a consultant, so I outline a few suggestions to him, you know, on how he could deal with this. And I know he appreciates the help. And uh, and then you know, I ask him to hurry up, you know, show. I mean, that that idea that he's somehow working. It's like mm, the, the you know the digital revolution kind of snuck up on him, uh, and uh, the pandemic caught him unaware and. And uh, what are, are you kidding? I mean, th- the idea that God is somehow in the past trying to catch up is just not a biblical idea at all. In fact, I want to suggest to you this morning, and I'll spend some, uh, they've put some extra time on the clock here. Um, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> Listen, this is my third service. I woke up thinking about lunch. I want to get there as soon as I can. So you're you're safe. You're safe. We're going to be out of here in almost record time. Take that, Steve. Anyway, so it takes him so much longer to say something than I can. But anyway, so so what I want to I just want to make the argument of the try to persuade you this morning to the truth that really God is always up to something new I'll start with Genesis you know I'll work my way through the other 66 books just teasing so creation is new now it's hard for us to think about I mean just yesterday I was reading about the, the, the Webb telescope has now revealed the furthest star away that we've seen 68 billion light years you know what that number 68 billion times 7 trillion is how far that star is from here and that light's been traveling you know for billions of years to get here so we're, we're actually staring into the past but I'm going to talk about that but the point is that as far as we push creation back it's hard to talk about a time when there wasn't because time's a part of the creation but I mean there just wasn't then there is and, and creation's new and we have in the book of Genesis all the order of, of that God created stuff and, we, and then we get up to the most magnificent statement of all and that's the internal musings of the Trinity we have the record there let's make people who bear our image holy cow I mean that is new I mean Adam was new in this order of creation that had never been done before I mean part of being in God's we are the only creatures again until we get through the UFO hearings as far as we know (laughs) in the universe that bear the image of God it's incredible it means, for one thing, we're moral creatures. It means a whole lot of things. We can think, we can make decisions, we have will, we have choice. But it also means we are forever. I mean, we just sang about that. When they handed Olivia to us at Lexington Hospital, one of our grandkids, you know, the first thought I had holding her is, I'm holding a creature who will never cease to exist. I mean, is that incredible? 
I think it was C.S. Lewis who said, you've never dealt with a mere mortal. Every single person in this room, every person you'll encounter that's in your way out there trying to get somewhere else, everyone created forever. That's new. It's an amazing thing to, to think who would make this up unless it were revealed to us? Who would have the hubris to imagine that that's our lot unless someone told us about it? In fact, I often ask people, what, tell me about your hopes and your dreams. See, I think if we just crawled out of the primordial ooze, we wouldn't have a notion of a better place. Where does that come from? See, that's, a, that's an echo of the kingdom in us that we even think there's something better. Why would we imagine better than this if all we were were creatures of this? No. And the scripture says not, it's not entered our minds or our hearts or our imagination what God has in store for those who love him. It's going to be new. But I, I digress. I get ahead of myself, actually. Because I ran right past Exodus, the next book in the Bible. We're making progress. I know you're thinking, if you're checking this off, we're going to be here a while, but I'll skip around. But in Exodus, we've got that great Old Testament story, right, of the liberation of God's people. I mean, it's the big, it's the epic story of the Old Testament. How God dealt with his people. And God sends Moses after they, you know, that nation, that, that group of folks has been slaves for 400 years. He, he sends Moses and we have this great story of liberation. And you know, you, I don't know how much you know about uh, all that transpired there. But you know, when they, they were slaves in Goshen, which is the northern part of, of Egypt. Very fertile area. And the, the Palestine, the promised land, you know, if, if this is Goshen here is the Mediterranean Sea, Palestine's up here, right? So from here to there is their, their trajectory to get to their promised land. But what's the first place that Moses and the children of Israel wind up at when they leave Egypt? It's the Red Sea. You know where the Red Sea is? You would think, oh, it's between here and the um, the Red Sea. Moses hung a hard right out of Egypt and wound up at a dead end. I mean, it's hard to believe. It's a detour. The Red Sea ain't you know, on the way to nothing. And but but God takes us, and, and Moses is standing there, and everybody's hollering at him because they can hear Pharaoh coming. And, and you know, thanks a lot, Mo. Appreciate you bringing us out here to die. I mean. We could have been okay at home with all that, but well, thanks a lot. Every leader that's been around has heard this. And Moses is saying, now y'all calm down, calm down, you know, and let's just see what God's going to do. Don't you know underneath his breath, he's saying, and right about now would be a good time to do it. Because you see, Moses hadn't seen the movie, so he doesn't know what's about to happen. I mean, this is amazing to think about. And so God, you know, if you remember the story and you have seen the movie, God comes and the water parts on both sides. That big fish swims up in the DreamWorks version of it. God, they all walk across on dry ground. They, they escape being hunted down by Pharaoh. Now, that dry ground crossing just stuck in the minds of God's people where God showed up and showed, showed off in a remarkable way. Now, a generation later, it's a new leader. 
They're finally, a generation later, they're finally going to get to go in to the homeland, the promised land. And Joshua's told, you're going to lead the people on a dry ground. You're going to go in on a dry ground cross. And it's like the bookends of this wilderness experience they've just been through. Now, since I work in leadership development, I know exactly what I would have done to get everybody ready. I would hold dry ground crossing seminars. I would show the, the, you know, the video of, of you know, the first one. Here's how it's going to happen. Y'all just get ready for this. It's going to be magnificent. I would volunteer to lead the charge. I would get up under the ark. I'd, I'd top the hill and I would see water everywhere. I said, oh, does God not know what time of year it is? Flood season. I mean, this river is flooded. Now, you're going to have to have a big mop to get this. But I know, here we go, charge down the hill and I would have gotten totally wet. Because this time, God doesn't start the dry ground business till the priests put their foot in the water. In fact, they're up into their necks out in the middle of that river hoping this ark will float because he doesn't stack the water up on both sides. It's a river. This time he dams the river up 17, 19 miles upstream. Can you imagine what those priests, they were prunes by the time this water gets by and it, it draws down and draws down and finally a dry ground crossing. Now, come on, God. I mean, why not just do a dry ground cross in the way you're supposed to? It's kind of interesting. I mean, there are, it's like when God does something in our lives sometimes, we think he's going to do it that way every time. Are you kidding? I mean, God does repeat stuff in new ways. Not just because he gets bored. I think he has a great sense of humor. On top of that, I'm counting on that. But, you know, I, th- I think about that situation. I think it's still true. You see, the, the folks that were going in that came out on dry ground, those folks were all gone. The folks going in on dry ground, it was a new generation. And every generation needs its own dry ground crossing. Every generation needs to see God show up and show off in their generation. It has to be meaningful and relevant for them. God knows that. He doesn't mind. I mean, think of all the stuff that God, as you think about your life, even in chapters, you know, God's always been providing. He's always been nurturing. He's always been protecting. He's always been, you know, active in it, but in different ways in those different chapters. You can't, you know, he, the, the folks that always have God in a box, that he's always going to show up like this and he's always going to look like this and he's always going to act like this. They don't get the God of the Bible. I mean, the biggest surprise of all, let's just skip through to the New Testament. Speaking of doing stuff new. I mean, we start that whole thing with the most remarkable The most remarkable story. Who could make this up? That the God of light would have to crawl through a dark birth canal. That the bread of life would have to scream for milk just to survive. That God would willingly experience pain would understand what it means to get tired 
get constipated, sweat, smell bad. What kind of God is this? Do you see how weirdly new, wonderfully new? Oh, the prophets, there there was stuff prophesied about, but no one could have guessed what happened. Talk about new. When people say we've been visited by extraterrestrials, yes, at least once. Where God wraps himself in flesh and comes and hangs out with us here. Who would make this up? I mean, if I were creating a religion, I would have us keep coming back till we got it right or or do more good than bad and then you're in or, or something. But this idea of grace and sacrifice and But that's not through. God's not through doing this stuff. I mean, Jesus told, went back and told the boys, y'all hang together. And about, by the way, it reminds me, what happens next reminds me of episode four in Star Wars. Some of you cannot believe what an impoverished life I grew up in. I'd never seen a lightsaber fight till I was in my 20s. And so episode four comes out. Who starts with episode four? That was new too. And and, and those of you who, who, who remember the story, you've got, you know, the folks trying to, Luke and the crowd trying to escape the Death Star, and the Millennium Falcon or whatever sitting out there, the spaceship. And over here, the, a lightsaber fight breaks out between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader. You know, <laughs> over there, and Obi-Wan, run, Luke, and they head off, and, and you know, suddenly, Obi-Wan folds his lightsaber, remember, and Darth Vader cuts him down, the robe falls, Obi-Wan Kenobi's gone, that's the end of Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? <laughs> no, where do we, where does he show up again? Where do we run into him again? Well, it's not far. It's the same movie. It's in the cockpit, Luke making the final run. Remember this? On the Death Star. Luke, trust the force. You know, then boom. Now, look, where would George Lucas get an idea like that? Here, the guys are hanging out like Jesus told them to do, and suddenly they hear Luke. Matthew, Mark, John. (laughs) No wonder they went crazy. People thought they were drunk. They were so happy. Jesus, who had a habit of wandering off when you needed him the most when he was here, or asleep in the boat, or off praying somewhere, suddenly he's inside of everybody's head. Everybody's hearing him. And he doesn't go to sleep. He never goes away. It's online. It's 24-7. Like, you know, internet connection unless Spectrum is your provider. Is that who provides up here for you guys? It's, oh, well, I'm telling you, just don't come south. It's, it's terrible. 
But the, my, my point is there's a brand new thing. Pentecost, we call it. When the Spirit comes, nobody imagined that. A few prophecies, they didn't get it. No, no, I'm, it was so, all right, all right. I got right, let's go to the end of the book. Let's just get this over with. I'm hungry. Book of the Revelation. You answer this. Are we going to an old heaven or a new heaven? Old earth or new earth? We have an old birth or a new birth? Old name or new name? Old bodies or new bodies? Now, I'm really excited about that. No more diets. I'm telling you, I've lost 3,000 pounds in my life. I start every day on a diet. Generally lasts through breakfast sometimes. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be upset if there's a diet plan. Anyway, I mean, I, I, I doubt I complain about it. I mean, what's the altar? You, you want to get in line downstairs? Anyway. <laughs> and when John sees the God of the universe on this throne, what does God say? He says, behold, I'm making everything Genesis to Revelation, the book on God, is that he's always up to something new. Now, what that means for us is if I were looking for God, and there was a line in one of the songs we sang about that, some of you are. If I were looking for God, I think I would look in the new stuff, the green edges of what's happening in your life. That new challenge, that new opportunity, that new problem, (laughs) that new option. That new relationship, that new fill-in-the-blank, new whatever. Because it would be just like God to show up in that space, to show off. I wouldn't look for God in repeat ways. I'd look for him in new ways. Now, by the way, those folk that I, I want to read you some scripture to a group of people, again, God's people, who were away from home and they were having a little, some groups talk about the good old days and all that, but here's what God said to them. Show this. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See I'm doing a new thing. (laughs) This is God. Don't you perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. 
Now, you see, those folks, when they heard that, they knew, oh, we're going to be released. The new thing is we're going back home. We've been in, uh, you know, in exile for 70 years. God's fixing to cut us loose. And we're going to, he's, but God knows who we are. He made us. And he knows our first thoughts of how tough is this going to be? Because now we've been here for 70 years. We got a bunch of stuff. I mean, we came here with nothing because we were forced marched from Jerusalem to Baghdad. Now we're going home from Baghdad to Jerusalem with 70 years of more stuff. I mean, I've lived in our house now 13 years. You know how much more stuff we've got in that same space? We drug stuff from the other place that hadn't been used for 10 years, put it in our attic at the new place to lay there for 13 years because we might need it. All the stuff. I tell folks all the time, my next move, there's going to be one box and I'm going to be in it. Not planning on anytime soon, but I'm just saying. So their first thought is, we can't, and they're thinking, ah, there's nothing but desert between here and, and, and how in the world are we going to make our camels to star our kids? We won't have enough food. To, so God says, hey, 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 calm down. I'm paving an interstate and I'm putting cokes at every rest stop. I'm making a way in the desert, the wilderness, streams in the wasteland. It's not your job, gang, to figure out, he's saying to them, how this is going. I'm God. This is what I do. I'll do my part. You do yours. Get going. So even a moment ago when I said to you, what is new with you? And then why might God be at work in that space? Maybe it was like, oh, no, that's too hard for God. Or, or I don't know, see how he would be working in that situation. Or, or no, he's never felt that, dealt with that before. I, I don't, and I'm, no, I'm, I'm particular. I'm different from any other thing he's ever done. Whatever objection arose in your mind, I can tell you that didn't come from him. And he would say to you, I got this. I got it. Your job is to say yes. And watch me show up, show off. That's why this new is in your life. So you can believe all over again. So let me ask you. What's new with you? 